listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. The following, the following, the following. Journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. Then what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the Macho Man. Yeah. The best there is. The best of what? Austin 316 said I just whipped your ass. Two words for you! Two words! Pick us up, man! The champ is here! Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of Journey into Wrestling. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me back from episode one, please welcome back to Journey into Wrestling, Matthew Waite. How's it going? It's going quite well, quite well. Looking forward to this, and uh, I'm ready for some wrestling talk. Dude, it's it's been way too long. I know we uh, started our conversation at LafiCon with wrestling, and then it kind of got cut short. Yes. So this is an opportunity to really kind of go the distance. There's so much wrestling to talk about that it's almost a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, since LaffyCon, man, there has been a lot going on, and it's all been glorious, except for, you know... No Bobby Roode. 90% of the WWE stuff, but I digress. Yeah, and we're going to get into that, because uh, there was, a, like I said, a lot of pay-per-view stuff that happened this weekend. It was obviously SummerSlam weekend here. Uh, NXT Brooklyn 4 happened. Uh, I, I want to know right out of the gate, overall, what did you think of the NXT Brooklyn 4 card? Probably when when you have Velveteen Dream versus EC3 the be the weakest match on the card, and that was still a really great match, that says a lot for the card, and it says a lot for the product. Dude, I absolutely agree. I felt like, and it's funny that you say that, because I, I rated every single match after the match, and the lowest is EC3 Velveteen Dream. It, it, it made, it's like a 3.75 for me. As far as the match, there were some cool, there were some cool finishes. Uh, one thing I really liked about Velveteen Dream's uh, in-ring attire was "Call Me Up, Vince." He had that on yeah, his, on his backside. That was that was just, and people are just like, "Oh, he's going to get so much heat for that." Vince doesn't want anything on television that would make him look bad, so it had to be pre-approved. It's not like he just automatically nobody saw it and he walked out with it yeah he did everything has to be approved so yeah exactly and it's not like he went to the lady that makes almost everybody's ring gear and said here's my idea don't tell anyone and she just went oh yeah sure i know how this goes every time if i don't tell them they're gonna crucify me not you so yeah uh yeah i agree with that uh okay so let's kind of start at the top here Let's go through this Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain match. What did you think? Oh, my God. 
What a way to kick off a card. Absolutely. What high impact, a way. high energy. Uh, twice in a row, two NXT pay-per-views where Undisputed Era just comes out with both barrels. Couldn't. They did it in Chicago, and now they're doing it here. And, and man, you know, they just they just freaking killed it. And Mustache Mountain Man, you know, I know they've been you know kind of out of the picture for a bit, but they just came back and just killed it. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy to me. I you know I had been out of the game a little bit with the NXT stuff. I don't get to watch every Wednesday when it's on, and I don't always get to catch up. So typically, it's like. Uh, NXT, I'll catch them intermittently, and then when the pay-per-views happen or the you know the takeover events, I'm locked into what's going on. So I didn't even know Mustache Mountain had won the NXT tag titles from Undisputed Era. Yes. And so then, like to learn that, I was like, okay, so they're legit. You know, uh, Tyler Bate and uh, Trent Seven, impressive match overall. Uh, like I said, lots of energy. I loved it. I gave it a four and a, a quarter stars. I would have ranked that one higher. I mean, I think I honestly think that was a five star match. Damn. I mean, I, I guess I don't disagree with you. I um again, when I'm writing down my reviews, a lot of times the first match suffers from, well, I don't want to rate this a five star match because then it has every other match has to live up to that. And um, I do feel like there was maybe one or two matches that were just slightly better than the undisputed era mustache mountain match. And we'll definitely get to those. Uh, up next, what did you think of the EC3 Velveteen Dream match as like the actual like uh, psychology of the match, how they did everything, the back and forth? The Dream don't remember. Leading up to it, it just felt weak anyway. Like this is the Dream can do a match. He is he is the epitome of a WWE guy, right? Absolutely. He's got everything that Vince wants in a wwe guy and he was there in the beginning he's never been on the indie scene he's never been anything like that the dream can tell a story the dream can wrestle the and he has to put his you know he can do 50 percent. like when he goes against ricochet he's got 50 percent of this match it's you know he's great he had to carry ec3 oh yeah and he, he could not do it to his level he couldn't bring EC3 up to his level that they needed to be at for it to be a spectacular match. Like an Alistar Black versus Velveteen Dream match style. Because I feel like I agree with you. I know EC3 is, he's very talented, but I do feel like in the ring, and maybe it's not just psychological, there are some roadblocks. You know, like having big ass muscles doesn't always get you everywhere. So, I mean, even when EC3 was in TNA, he, he was never one of those guys that I was like, fuck yeah, I love EC3. Like, it's always Ooh. been like, all right, he's all right. So uh, it seems like in the middle of that call, we have just accidentally lost Matt. Wait, he's calling us back right now. Matt's back with us. Sorry. it's No worries, <laughs> it happens. That's live podcasting. That's how we do it here. Uh, I was just saying, you know, it's difficult with... Uh, with EC3 because big muscles doesn't it doesn't necessarily just carry you to be a very muscular dude. Uh and No, he's a mic guy. He is a mic guy. Yes. He can he can cut a promo very well. But his and ring work is not the flawless. Look, but his his ring work isn't there. It could get there. 
I mean, he's still young. He's still learning. I mean, and he's he's in NXT for a reason. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like NXT, and we're definitely going to be talking about this amidst all the other things we have to cover on this card. But I feel like NXT is like the premier brand of wrestling that's mainstream because I feel like New Japan ROH still a little underground, but mm-hmm. I feel like NXT is what's making new wrestling fans consistently think of nxt as wwe's roh or new japan exactly so i want to get your thoughts on this there was a ringside appearance by a indie wrestler it's been long rumored that he was going to be maybe going to roh or new japan but shows up at nxt ringside matt riddle what did you think of this to be honest with you i have no idea who he is Oh, okay. He's a, like a long-tenured... He's almost got that... Um, kind of look at him like the modern era Daniel Bryan, I guess. He's been in the indies a long time. He's had a lot of quote-unquote shots at the big times. Things have not always worked out so spectacularly for him. And I know him. he's a former UFC guy. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a former UFC dude, and he had to prove himself to like get to that level. That's why a lot of people yeah. like look down on him, oh, he's just a UFC dude, so he's not really going to be that great of a wrestler, and he, he's actually quite spectacular. But so. yet every every single UFC guy that's come into WWE has been spectacular. Yes, and you know we'll be talking about that very soon as well. <laughs> so uh, let's move forward into maybe one of the best matches of the night. It's hard to, these last three are all so spectacular for so many different reasons. Adam Cole versus Ricochet, man. Oh, jeez, man, that is, that... <sighs> Five five and a quarter star, five and a half star match. I mean, just pure storytelling in the ring of, okay, I am the cocky. Adam Cole is Shawn Michaels circa 1990s. Absolutely. Just that pure cocky, just I am the best guy here attitude. And it's just he pulls it off so great. Then he wins the title. He doesn't defend it. He hasn't defended it since New Orleans. And Ricochet comes in. He's like, I want that title. And they put on a clinic. Absolutely. This is, this is, and I know Vince hates the flippy stuff, but this is how you put on a great match. I mean, there was one specific spot in that match that we have to talk about. It's something you, you can't avoid. But the, the super kick, the backflip super kick was ridiculous. The amount of precision both Ricochet and Adam Cole had to utilize to make that not only look and great, trust and trust. Yes, absolutely. But not only did it look great, it looked like a train wreck all at once. Like it made yeah. me think of like Shelton Benjamin, Shawn Michaels super kick on Raw, like back in like oh two or some shit. Yeah, when uh, Shelton did the, he did kind of like the. Um, Damn it, I can't think of what that move is called. Kind of jumping over the top rope from the outside ring apron to kind of like springboard himself. That's what it was. He was springboarding yeah. himself, and Shawn Michaels caught him with a super kick. It made me think of that, and I was just absolutely blown away. And uh, the fact that he just collapsed in the ring afterwards, just to, the wherewithal to do that, just to show that it was that brutal of a, a power move. Yes, and it was super it was brutal and it was devastating. And then it made you certain like, well, Adam Cole is going to retain the, the North American NXT title. Like there's no doubt about it. 
and then yeah. they still continue to oppress and amaze you, making Ricochet almost have this like underdog, can't stop, won't stop spirit, where he just kind of was like, fuck no, I, I'm going to win this match. And it was amazing, man. It was, like yeah. you said, storytelling personified in the ring. Those dudes, they genuinely both deserve to be on the main roster, but I'm afraid if they were to be called up, they would maybe get lost in the shuffle right now. Well, here's the thing is that they're both, you know, 190, 200-pound guys. So I'm afraid that they're going to get into that and they're going to go to 205 Live and, like you say, just get completely lost. You know, you need you need that. See, here's the thing. Undisputed Era with Adam Cole is probably one of the greatest factions going right now. They are the jackals of WWE. They should be just coming in and picking bones. Yeah. You know, just the scraps, just taking everything just because everybody's just battered and beaten. And here they come and pick up all the pieces. Yes, and, and I don't know if you see the same path, though, especially with what happened on Raw. But I feel like like at some point in the future, a Survivor Series Undisputed Era versus S.H.I.E.L.D. would be phenomenal. I hate the shield. Really? You hate the shield? Is that only because shield. of Roman or is that no. Roman coupled with Dean? Because I feel like Seth is maybe the golden pony in that. I don't think I could have any reason to think you would not like Seth Rollins, but maybe I'm wrong. Surprise me. I just hate the idea of their faction. You know, <clears throat> their faction, because of the heat Roman's got and you know, Dean being the architect, but not actually doing anything, especially that spot from last night, uh, or, um, Seth doing, you know, the architect, they, they had a big stupid thing last night, Dean Ambrose being the lunatic fringe, but that is not really a lunatic or on the fringe of anything. He just looked like a, a, a wet boy that wear, wore tees, you know, and wet hair. Ooh, he's so crazy. You know, if they did it right, especially with this new comeback, it's it, it just it doesn't feel right. OK, OK. You know, yeah, no, it's it's hard because that. Seth was on the on the path towards the universal title. Now he's stuck in the mid card again. Dean Ambrose coming back, wanting to do you know they're teasing the turn for him to go heel. Now that's gone away. And then Roman being Roman, who's by no means he is a great worker. Just don't let him talk. <laughs> yeah, no, and yeah, and that's. That's definitely we'll you know we're gonna we'll circle back to more Roman. But Reigns then, talk. but then you get the undisputed era where they have three great mic workers, three four great actual in ring workers. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you have these guys that could put on five star classics every time they step into the ring. What do you think and, Bobby Fish's role is going to be coming back from injury? I think they're just going to do the. Um, Freebird style. Oh, just, yep, alternate who has the tag title. I like that. I mean, right now, yep. I mean, they got away with that with Rod. I mean, I guess, I guess Roderick Strong was in the tag match against Mustache Mountain to win 
back the titles, so he has yeah. an actual victory to earn that title over his shoulder. Well, but, he's been he's been the the guy ever since he got injured. Yeah, that's the whole reason why he's in the undisputed era. Yeah, it was perfect timing too, because Roderick Strong was kind of spinning his tires in NXT. I was kind of feeling sorry, like, come on, what are you going to do with this guy? He's not doing yeah. anything. Yeah, and he's too good to not let that to let that happen to him. Exactly. So it was nice to see him, and we didn't really cover this. It was nice to see Roderick Strong like in a prominent role. As, well, they they try to go face with him, like, oh, look at me, you know, I picked myself up. I had all this stuff happen, and. Then the the turn out of nowhere was just it was a brilliant move on his part and he plays a great heel. Oh, absolutely. He definitely makes a much better heel than a face. Yeah. No question. Um let's move forward from the Adam Cole Ricochet match here now to the to the NXT women's title match that was a barn burner of a match. Let's talk about it. What are your thoughts? Shayna Blazer, man. What a since last year's May Young to this point, I have not seen anybody grow as quick and as well as she has in a very long time. I couldn't agree when I more. saw her when, yeah, when I saw her on the May Young Classic, I'm like, all right, she is a UFC girl. They they. Shot her off strong, but she had a very limited. She was so green, right? Then over this past year, she developed her mic skills and she is legit scary on the mic. She is, she has a legit scary presence when she's on the mic. Absolutely. And her skill set in the ring has been phenomenal and it's been growing and it's been great. And I'm really looking forward. And if they're going to do what they're go- what I hope that they're going to do is the four horsemen versus four horsemen match, either at Survivor Series or Evolution. You got <clears throat> two of the best female wrestlers right now in one stable. Absolutely, and that's that's Shayna Blazer, Ronda Rousey. And then you could actually say that on the other side of the card, too, with if you can get Becky and Charlotte back on the same page. Yeah, which actually builds for an interesting story in and of itself. Yes, absolutely. I thought that the Shayna Baszler-Kari Sane match was very, very incredible. Uh, storytelling was great throughout. They they had something to work with because of the Mae Young Classic. Yep. Like, it made sense to have the angle that they were going at each other, and now... Kari Sane has bested her not once but twice. So if there's a rematch down the road and it's the final, well, it was, time, it was already best out of three. They they were one. This was this was the squash match. That's right because wasn't there one match that Shane that they had on like a regular NXT? Yep. That was non pay per view. Okay, okay. I so I did forget that. So that was the third and the best of three. So that's done. So now you can call Shane up. She has an opportunity to make her mark. It's crazy because I saw her on. The, the Ultimate Fighter, the first season they did an all-ladies Ultimate Fighter sh- uh, show. And back then, I thought she was fucking terrifying. Yeah. You know, because she was just like, a, I mean, you know, you d- you don't have the filter of her being a character on The Ultimate Fighter. She was just a bitch. I mean, I hate to say it, but she was n- not a nice person at, in any stretch of the imagination. 
So it's awesome to see the evolution of her as a person too, because now she's like this amazing character that is like kind of honed that shitty person inside of her and made it something useful. And I think that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And like I said, you know, the whole thing with Dakota Kai leading up to this match, like <clears throat> she was a legit scary person when it came to that. Her things with Ember Moon and Dakota Kai, because those were the two big ones right after she won the title. Like, yeah, Shayna Blazer just just had that presence of like, I I'm going to destroy everybody that gets in my path. And Kyrie coming in, you know, the the she didn't have the height or weight advantage, but man, she just you know, she got her ass whooped and then just kept on coming back. And it was just great storytelling of just, you know, you knock me down. I'm going to come back at you harder. Absolutely. Uh, and I love there was the moment where she was getting that. Was it slapped or pushed by Shane? And she kept coming back and just like yelling in her face. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. my God, she's such a badass. Uh Mm-hmm. One thing, though, I, I will say I, I loved the end of the match because it kind of left it with like an air of like, ooh, that could have went the other way. You know, like it wasn't yeah. definitive that Kyrie Sane beat Shayna Baszler. She was in the Carafuda clutch and could have tapped, but just so happened to get the right position to get the pin. Yep. I mean. Yeah, she rolled through and it was brilliant. It inc- was just. Incredible. Yeah. Ac- across the board, incredible storytelling. And I had told you this. I, I messaged you this yesterday or maybe the day before. That Veronica doesn't really get down on professional wrestling. She's not a fan. I told her, I was like, you really need to watch the Adam Cole Ricochet match. And she begrudgingly did and was just like, oh, this was dumb. I don't like it. But then yeah. the Shayna Baszler Kari Sane match came on and she just did not say a fucking word and watched the whole thing and was nothing but amazed. And she was like, I can get you down know, on this. It's kind of funny because uh, my buddy Stu, his wife sat down and watched that match too. And it was almost the exact same thing. You know, he, she's slowly getting into this story, but then she watched that match and she's like, fuck yeah, I'm all in now. Oh yes. This is, this is it. Yeah. And I mean, and the crazy thing is like, you could have ended NXT Brooklyn with that match and it would have been amazing. Yeah. But I love the match that they actually ended with and the controversy that's going to be kind of surrounding the, the result of that, which was, a. Uh, Another Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano fight, last man standing. And man, that was uh, intense. I was, I was kind of. It was, it was a great match, and this is the match, you know, because like NXT Chicago, they were supposed to have this last man standing match, right? So then they did the last man standing Nakamura AJ. So they didn't want to have two last man standing matches in, in Chicago. So they did the Chicago street fight and you know, it's, it's great with these matches because they always call back to the previous match. Yes. Which is always great. And it's, it's, that's, that's good storytelling in and of itself. But if they had this last man standing match, in Chicago, it would have been great. And then they could have settled this in like a hell in a cell type of storyline, you know? Ooh, war games it's is almost, coming up. It's almost like, okay, we've got two matches that were almost exactly identical. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Back. 
Uh, I, I will. Sh- I will say the, the Chicago. Go ahead. The Chicago Sorry. Street Fight and the Last Man Standing were almost. They're almost the same format. Yeah, actually, uh, you're not wrong. And I will say it's got to be a little bit different for you because you were there for that Chicago Street Fight. Yes. I mean, you witnessed that brutality in person, and that must have been amazing to to be a part of, right? Oh, that just hold that that whole card. I mean, I haven't been to a live wrestling match in 20 years, right? Oh shit! So that was your first one back. That was my first one back, and the reason what like I decided to go to NXT Chicago a week prior because I was hemming and hauling on it. <clears throat> but then you had that Ricochet Velveteen Dream uh, promo where Ricochet did that flip off and then just walked up to uh, Velveteen and says, "Bring it." I'm like, "All right." I, I immediately went in and bought my top. Um, I immediately, um, bought tickets right after that because I had to see that in person. You were like, there's no way I can watch this on TV. It's in my backyard. I have to experience this. Yes, exactly. And I had to feel the energy of NXT. Okay. So we're going to take it now back to Brooklyn because, you know, one thing I want to talk about is you were saying, and and I'm glad you brought it up. Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano do a great job of the callback, like you said. Like, every match they've used the crutch. Almost every match, Ciampa's knee brace has now become some sort of part of the reason that something has happened, you know? I will say, they definitely, like, amped up the danger. When he started peeling the ring back to expose the wood planks, I was like, I don't really know the last time I've seen this on WWE programming at all. Yeah, like that's intense, and I mean the that that I think that's a callback to the old AWA days. Yes, absolutely, and uh, that spot was so beautifully done. I mean, Johnny Gargano definitely took the brunt of it, landing on his back, but he made it look like Champa's head smashed into those wood planks. It was yeah, fucking brutal. Uh, what did you think of the end here and how they kind of pulled the uh, the finish of this match off? You could see it coming a mile away, but it was pulled off really, really well. Yeah, I mean, they waited till the last second to let you know who was going to win and how it was going to pull out yeah. and, and play out. And it was uh, absolutely it was it was it was interesting because I was so certain I was like Gargano's got it. This is amazing. This is going to be awesome to have him come out on top like this and finally be the NXT champ. And this is his second NXT title opportunity. I guess really third because wasn't there a match again on like regular NXT where Ciampa put the title up or did that not actually happen? I think it was. it's mostly house shows. He, he hasn't put the title up on NXT TV. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So Gargano has, according to TV, had these two title opportunities against Almas, which was an amazing match, and then yeah. now the official title match against Ciampa because they've shuffled the title to the to this feud because of how amazing it has been. Uh, overall brutal, huge spots. I, I was actually shocked that Ciampa won, though. No, I'm not. You think, Not at all. You think this sets this forward for one final match that's going to be the end-all, be-all? This is going to be the match that one of them, if not both of them, get called up. Ooh. Well, then how would you – okay, curious. 
and and I and I want to know how you would pull this off. If you wanted to call both them up, how do you get the title off of them? I mean, would you do like almost like whoever ends up winning the feud would Asuka like relinquish the belt right after? My idea, and this is just my idea with this, right? Sure. <clears throat> you have Champa. You have Adam Cole. When Champa gets called up, the title gets relinquished to Adam Cole. Johnny Gargano doesn't need the title to get called up. He's got that following. So he doesn't really need the NXT title. He's already made. He's already a made guy. Champa needed that title just to prove how much of an evil guy he is. Like, Champa is the epitome of heel in probably across the board. I mean, in new Japan in ring of honor, like yeah. if you want to do heel look at Champa right now, I, th- I think the only person that would maybe come close to that level of modern heel would be like the, the Renaissance man, Chris Jericho and some of his, uh, you know, attacking people in New Japan and whatnot, but I, not I s- necessarily, not necessarily, because we we have twenty years of Jericho that we love him. You're right. You're right. Okay, I see what you're saying. I vibe that. Now, Champa started off kind of like that facious face guy with you know the last minute thrown together for Dusty Rhodes. Like Champa wasn't supposed to be in NXT at all. I actually didn't they know kinda, that. He got signed on at the last possible minute to fill a spot for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Tournament. So, and that's why it's him and uh, Johnny Gargano. Huh. Uh, so, like, Ciampa wasn't supposed to be there. So, the fact that he is, like, this monster heel and the champion is just, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. Um, but yeah, kind of like that Jericho kind of thing. Like we have 20 years of just heel face Jericho that we love him. Champa, the best way I can describe him is that he is that guy that you just love to hate. Like, well said, I love his character. I love everything about him, but I hate him for that character because he's playing that character so well, not only in the ring, but on Twitter, on Facebook, on every YouTube video, he is embodying heel, which nobody does anymore. He's doing a great job of bringing kayfabe back. Yes. And blurring the line between, like, am I a wrestler or is this just who the fuck I am? Exactly. And it makes it, makes it interesting, man. Very few people have done that. I think the last other guy to try to kind of be like that genuinely was Matt Hardy. Uh, with the broken stuff, but I mean, even that has not been nearly as effective now that he is the last person to try to pull it off and failed at it was actually Baron Corbin. That's why he got shot down the cart. Ooh, Baron Corbin. He's the only winner of the Baron Corbin award on our show because it was so awful. Yeah, but I mean, he tried to play that heel persona online. And he said the wrong thing to, I guess, in Navy SEAL or something. Oh yeah, I do remember that's, that. That's that's why he lost the money in the bank the way he did in such an embarrassing way and everything because he tried to do 
the heel persona and bring back kayfabe, but he said the wrong thing to the wrong person. Where Champa is just like an overall bad guy. He's not directly engaging people. Yeah. Where that's where I think Baron Corbin failed. He's just like, all right, this is what I'm doing. This is the reason why I'm doing. This is why I'm such a bad guy. He's not directly engaging fans like Baron Corbin was doing. Baron Corbin was trying to come off as a bully. Yes. And that's not going to – I mean, it's weird how it's not going to fly in WWE, but it's not going to fly in WWE where they fat-shamed Nia Jax. I don't want you to forget that. That really happened. Um, And then she she does this whole thing, and then the very next night she bullies Ronda Rousey, which made no sense. Not at all. It was very terrible ideology here. And I think that before we move on, I want to get your final thoughts on NXT. If you were to rate NXT Brooklyn 4 – uh, how good of a card do you think this was? I mean, it was it was quite impressive in my eyes. If I had to go and talk to somebody that never watched wrestling in their life, this is the card I would show him or her. I love that. I agree with that. That's a great first card for wrestling. Is either that or Dominion from this year. Those are the two cards that I would show a non-wrestling fan. Ooh. Very, 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 very true. And what we can actually probably get into that too in a little bit as well because there's a lot of New Japan stuff going on. So I really loved NXT Brooklyn 4. I feel like uh, Triple H and the NXT brand have kind of set the precedent that they're not going to be outdone by the main roster. And they are, they're not doing sports entertainment. They're doing wrestling. Yes, exactly. A truer form of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, perfectly said. Uh, so now we move into the kind of the main part of the weekend because, you know, while NXT is like the, the best part of the dish, you have to sit down for the full course of what WWE is going to bring, especially with the kind here of here comes the Brussels sprouts. Here, here comes the Brussels sprouts. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. Uh, so really the pre card wasn't all that special. Like, I don't really think we need to spend a whole lot of time on it. I don't know if you have much to say from that other than you, what do you mean? Roll up mania. <sighs> You're right. All those matches were rolled up finishes. Weren't they? All three matches were roll ups. Man, see, it's like I didn't even, at that point, I was like a little bit in a vegetative state, so I wasn't paying attention to how the well, To be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't actually, I just read it. I didn't watch the, pre, the, 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 the pre-show because one, five hours or six, actually it wound up being like six hours of wrestling. It's just a little too much for me. Oh yeah. In one in one clip and two I was actually out at dinner when that happened and by the time I got back it was uh it was basically right when the main card was starting so well then let's get right <laughs> I got, into the main I got card. a little bit of highlights, huh? I was going to say then let's get right into that main card. Okay. Uh, All right, let's talk about the main card and the suicide dive through the second rope mania. Happened a lot, too, on this card. Every single match except for one had it. Okay. I'm thinking that the Braun Strowman KO match didn't have that. Uh, they did. with K- I, Actually, no. Did it? 
Okay, two matches didn't have it. I'm sorry. You're right. Kevin Owens, I don't know if Kevin Owens did the dive onto the outside or not. But every single other one of these definitely had that. Except for Ronda Rousey. Yep, and she would be the other one because that's not her style, man. No. She just ragdolls people. Yes. Uh, so start at this is uh, the first match we had to start the whole night off. Could have arguably, again, been match of the night. Uh, Seth Rollins with your quiet one, Dean Ambrose, uh, versus Dolph Ziggler with Drew McIntyre. What do you think about this and how Boring. things played out? Boring. Really? Boring. Not a fan of anybody on this. I'm not, I wasn't, one, I'm not a fan of the whole storyline of it. Two, this is the fourth time that they're all facing each other. Yeah, so it does kind of get kind of recycled. Yeah. Okay. You I, know, they had they had a 30-minute Iron Man match, but the night before they had a 32-minute match on Raw. Um, there's no point in doing this story except to get the title off of Dolph because he hasn't re-signed his contract yet. So um, that was the only reason why this match actually happened is to get that title off of Dolph Ziggler. Well, I mean, Dolph Ziggler has a fledgling comedic career. He's, yeah. He's actually pretty damn funny. So I'm, I'm uncertain if he'll re-sign with WWE. You know, this is uh, – Dolph is one of those guys who I feel like for a long, long time has been highly underutilized. Yep. And even when they give him titles, it doesn't pan out how it should ever. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, the guy's great. He is a great all-around worker. He pulls. He's great on the mic. But part of the problem of what's going on in the main roster, somebody like Dolph Ziggler, you hand him the mic, let him go. You don't write a script for him. Just let him riff. Yeah, and it's but, it's also possible too, and and to to kind of to riff on that is that like there are so many wrestlers now too that are afraid to be okay with riffing, I guess that like you've almost created a they're precedent. not allowed to. And I mean, you could even argue back in the Attitude Era, Austin wasn't allowed to, but just kind of still did it anyways because he was given scripts and would just you know throw them in the garbage. Well, Austin, Austin was a guy that had enough clout at the time, you know, um, especially post uh, WrestleMania 13. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That amazing match with Brett. Yeah, <clears throat> because it took about six months to get Austin 316 off the ground and up to, you know, that that's the match that made Austin and gave him the clout to basically throw shit back into people's faces and say, fuck you, I'm not reading this. Yeah, like, I know, I know the what first, I'm doing. He's the first one to admit it on his podcast, too. Yeah. And uh, you got to think, man, that was an awesome match with him and Brett. Uh, he's got the, I mean, that's like a moment that's etched into my, into my memory forever is Austin reaching for the ropes, just blood pouring out of his skull in the, yep. in the, in the uh, sharpshooter, and it just just screaming bloody murder, but not tapping out. It was in the fact that Austin was so afraid he was going to get fired if he bladed. Oh yeah. And he still did anyways. And it was awesome. Yep. Totally worked. Uh, there was a little bit of blood with the, uh, Seth Rollins Ziggler match. Actually, I think, 
Uh, yeah, I think there was too. Uh, I'm pretty sure maybe Seth. Oh, Seth had a little bit of blood, and then Seth, I know that Seth Seth got the uh, hard way on his eyebrow. Ooh. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was bleeding, and uh, there was lots of blood. Uh, I will say I did like that Seth Rollins came out with the Thanos-looking ring attire. That's pretty <laughs> cool. I mean, anytime a wrestler shouts out like to the to the superhero world, I'm always like, yes, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, Seth Rollins is the uber nerd. Yeah, and I mean, Rey Mysterio, kind of the king of doing that first when he used to do like his, uh, he had like the Daredevil Rey Mysterio outfit yep. and the Spidey and Joker one year, which was ridiculous, I, I do remember. Yep. Uh, what do you think about this? The okay, I guess. What do you think about the decimation of the WWE's tag team division? Because I felt like there for a hot minute, the tag team division was booming and everything was phenomenal. Last year. Yes, exactly. And now I feel like With it's the Usos and New Day and the Bar. Yeah, and now I feel like it's faded. Like it's it, the B team defended the Raw tag team titles on the pre-show against. Yep. Quite arguably the most boring team in the revival, in my opinion. Uh, so I just with the New Day versus the Bludgeon Brothers for the titles ending how it did. What are they really getting at here? Like they, well, I think Vince never really liked tag teams, but you know you have to look, and again you have to look at the New Japan model. They have t tag teams and three-man tags for a reason. That keeps your guys fresh. So <clears throat> I'm looking at the times right now of the matches. Like Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, 22 minutes, right? Third longest on the card. <clears throat> yeah, so 22 minutes of two guys wrestling at pretty high velocity. You're going to wear and tear on your guys, and mistakes are going to happen. And Seth is a guy that does 22 to 30-minute matches consistently. Tag teams take that equation, and now you're resting your guys because now they're doing five minutes apiece or ten minutes apiece. Especially if it's slow, grinding ring work where one team has a guy cornered off. And they're yeah. more like kind of slowly grinding on him, you know, maybe doing some leg mm -hmm. locks, maybe working the knee and whatnot, um, you know, dragging, letting him think he's going to get to his tag partner, pulling him away so that when you do get the hot tag, new guy comes in fresh. He's he's on you fire. Do the, you, you do the minute and a half hot spot and mm -hmm. then there you go. But yeah, where the tag teams are more rest holds and low impact and until you hit the high spots and. You know, it saves their guys and everything, and I don't understand why they don't do that more. Yeah. You know, it, and, 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 and that goes into the faction themes. Why aren't there factions again? You know, like huge factions, like five, six guys. I feel like maybe that's because events is afraid that anything that is in that realm is going to automatically be compared to and called back to the classic NWO uh, well, NWO, DX, whatever, but you're saving your guys. Totally true. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I feel so like... So when you have a problem with one guy, now you got a problem with all those guys. So say say we get into, like, if they did, at, you know, Undisputed Era, and they called them up, right? 
Okay. You have to get through three other guys before you could get to Adam Cole. You know? Absolutely. So now you, you're, you're rotating guys in and out of this, this storyline. And especially if they can get, like, two more guys in or something like that. Really flourish their stable and make it larger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so my, my, uh, to kind of go back to it now, the new day, which was in, in this instance with the, uh, free bird rules, uh, Biggie and Xavier versus the bludgeon brothers. Now new day wins by DQ. Uh, but actually I don't know if you've heard this or not. And I'm kind of, kind of blowing through this first part cause there's some late breaking news. Uh, I do believe there will be a rematch tonight on SmackDown, well, which was yesterday for our listeners who are listening to this on release day, uh, where the New Day will again challenge for the Bludgeon Brothers tag titles. Um, look for the New Day to win that, as I've heard that Luke Harper is, or Eric Rowan is actually injured again. Yes. He injured his shoulder. It might require surgery. If that's the case, they're going to have to drop the titles. Which is kind of weird because it looked like Harper was the one that was injured in that match legit. Correct. But well like, maybe, maybe it is Harper that's injured. Let me see if I misread that. I sometimes screw that up with those two. Uh, SummerSlam injury 2018. Yeah. Rowan, yeah, Rowan is the one that's injured. Yeah, it's Rowan, my fault. So or, or, yeah, no, Eric you Rowan. said I said it right. Yeah, my fault. You, yeah, you said it right. But like I said, but Harper looks like the one that he was favoring his arm. He did a great job of, of selling match. it. Yeah, I mean, he, they they did they tried to do that um whatever double power slam thing, and did not. And he pull couldn't it off. even use and he couldn't even use his arm. So it looked like I thought he was legit injured the way he was like shaking it and everything. Trying to get feeling back, like, what the yeah. hell, I can't. Uh, of course, they end up using the big-ass hammer to get the disqualification. It means they retain the titles. Uh, do you think that, I mean, should New Day just be anointed tag champions because they've got to do this? Or do you think it's possible that they'll, like, make the Bludgeon Brothers use this injury as a storyline and, and, and not take the titles <clears> off of them? I think it's going to be the New Day are going to be transitional. Okay, okay. Into who would and what's you say gonna the happen? bar? The bar is going to take the place of the Bludgeon Brothers for right now. Oh, I love that. That would be great because then the New Day and the bar can actually have a legit feud with the titles going kind of back yeah. and forth. It would, it would be yeah. actually very beneficial. This might be a weird thing, but it, I'd feel like every time Harper and Rowan start to like raise up to be a force to be reckoned with, one of them gets hurt or something happens. Always like with the Wyatt family, they were giving up. And I think at one point they had the tag titles and then like uh, Rowan got Harper. hurt or it was Harper, Harper that got, time. They got hurt. Yeah. And then, so then it's like, then they, they, they were separated for a while and not on the same show. And then they get put back together again. Then they rise up to be tag champs. And here we go. Cut their legs out from under them yet again. Yep. Speaking of good. Well, that's leg, kind of, that's kind of the revival story too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Hundred percent. So, uh, how was it uh, on uh, Sunday night facing Braun Strowman? Are you okay? Oh uh, yeah, I'm great. You know, it was it was quick. It was dirty. It was fast. You know, that was that's the a. You know, for for our listeners who don't know, Matt does kind of look like a dead ringer to Kevin Owens, and sometimes has been confused for Kevin Owens. So I have to make that that joke. But this was a quick squash match that was not really surprising. 
I just um, one. I don't think it hurts Kevin Owens. Nope, because Braun is already so over and so powerful. So it's no surprise that it would be. And Kevin's also very over and everything. But, you know, they kind of needed to do that for what was going to happen in the future. Oh, So we won't get into it. Absolutely. But... You're totally correct. Yeah, it's it, it saves on Braun being fresh. Yeah. And the importance of that. Uh, yeah. So moving on to, and this is, again, I thought this was a great match on the card. Uh, we had a triple threat match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Carmella defending her title against Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Thoughts? Now, to me, this was match of the night. Okay, I could I could see that too. I, I mean, maybe the next one also could get that nod for me, but they're both very high up for me. Correct. Yeah. But yeah, this this was my match of the night personally because it was everything that you needed this this to me was an nxt match Mm, it definitely had an nxt vibe to it call back to their old days yeah uh well you know one thing you got you got made you, you had one you had really great wrestling two you got a progression of storytelling and you had Babyface versus a and and I know a lot of people don't like her and everything, but Carmella is a great heel. Absolutely, I you know I think she's underrated as champion. With, yeah. I mean, going into this match, anyways, I felt like and it was funny because there was the promo she cut on SmackDown a few weeks ago about how she's read legends online saying how she doesn't deserve it and shouldn't have the belt and that she shames and, and diminishes the division and all that stuff. And then she went from like looking like she was genuinely going to cry to just like laughing and whatnot. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, my God, she's so smart. She's such a visceral wrestler. And, and there are people that she's genuinely don't magnet. get it. Exactly. Well said. She is a heat magnet. My, my problem with her is that one, she shouldn't. She shouldn't have beaten Oscar and Charlotte Queen. True. It should have been. She's not that type of character. Her character should have been, you know, by any means necessary. Very dirty. Very Miz like. You know, just that dirty win. I mean, to be fair, didn't uh, James Ellsworth... Well, that was the second time, right? James Ellsworth affected the... That was the second the, time that... Yeah. It would have made more sense for that to be the first time, maybe. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, but this match was amazing because, like you said, it, the storytelling was great. Uh, Carmella being an amazing heel. You have Becky Lynch and Charlotte, who are friends. And then you had Becky Lynch, a babyface, become a like lightning hot babyface when she turned on Charlotte. Yep. Incredible. I was not, I, I, I mean, I was kind of expecting there to be some sort of heel turn. I, I thought it was going to be Charlotte turning on Becky, honestly. You know, she wins the title. Oh, now I'm better than you, th- you know, pushes her head down. And she had pinned her. So I was kind of expecting that. But when Becky backed up and smacked her, I was like, oh, shit. Like, things well, just. Well, because the crowd wanted Becky. Absolutely. Man, you know, did they it, want her it, to have that it, title. It wouldn't, and this whole thing, I don't think, would have worked if it was Charlotte that did it. Yeah, because people would be like, oh, God, Charlotte's a heel again. Yeah. 
Here we go again. She's played a heel pretty much for the majority of her time on the main roster, the majority of her yep. time on the NXT roster. Uh, so it is refreshing to see her as a face. It's beautiful now, though, because now you've set up a legitimate feud with Charlotte and Becky where there are real stakes, plus the women's title. So maybe by Survivor Series, this starts to resolve more. You know, we've got Hell in the Cell coming up. Is that the next pay-per-view is Hell in the Cell? Hell in the Cell's next. Then you've got... Is it Survivor Series? No. Evolution, then Survivor Series. Evolution is the October pay-per-view. Thank you. So you have two months now where, okay, uh, Hell in a Cell will be the rematch from this event where Becky and Charlotte will go. I would guess Charlotte will probably win. No, I think it will be Charlotte. It will be Charlotte Carmella. Oh, Charlotte Carmella in the rematch. Becky maybe costs Carmella the thing because she wants to face Charlotte. That's true heel move, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if... See, that's that's what I like. I don't know. I can't predict this one. Yeah, they could go a right. lot of different ra- ways. Yeah, you can have her come in and cost Charlotte the title because Becky knows she can, you know, you, she can beat Carmella. Or do you go Becky Charlotte because of the friendship angle and it would be better for the next like survivor series or evolution. And I mean, and here's another thought, but then oh, go ahead. Sorry. But then I'm thinking for evolution should be the four horse women versus four horse women. Mm. Maybe Becky betrays Charlotte and costs. At, yeah. The match. It costs everybody to get that, that quote unquote heat on her. Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, it's interesting because, also to note. Whoa, sorry. Oh, my bad. Uh, I was going to just quickly say it's interesting to note too that you could utilize Carmella as like a transitional champion where it always involves Carmella being so like Charlotte versus Carmella in the rematch, like you were saying. Becky Lynch costs Charlotte. Carmella yep. retains. Then Carmella's like, well, I've already beat Charlotte. I beat you again. I don't have to give you a rematch. So now I'm going to face Becky. Becky. Yep loses because of Charlotte. So then you keep Carmella hot in this feud and it might elevate her too. And you're getting three stars that are really shining in your women's division, especially on SmackDown when the ladies are, there's not as many there, there, there are less ladies on SmackDown that are doing big things. But here's the thing is that also when you, when you're thinking about the four horse women versus four horse women, you got Becky versus Charlotte. And then, if they can ever make up their freaking mind, you got Bailey, Sasha, who either love each other or hate each other. So you got two teams that are unstable versus a team that's going to be fully in sync. So that could set up a lot of storyline also. You're absolutely correct. There, and there's a lot of, like we were saying, there's a lot of ways this can go. Another storyline that is not surprising where a lot of ways they can go uh, is the next match on the card. Samoa Joe and AJ Styles putting on kind of a classic. This felt very old school Samoa Joe, AJ Styles to me. Yeah, no, not to me. Really? It felt new to you. I did not like it. 
Really? Was it the finish that was what you didn't like about it? Was it just a little too slow? I don't like the story leading into it. Um, it felt a little contrived. Okay. Um, it's just it wasn't. I don't know why AJ loves involving his family in his storylines because there was no need for it ever. AJ and Samoa Joe have a heated past. That should have been the story. Just their history and the title. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I I couldn't agree more. That was actually the one one of my notes is, is like of all the things that happened, the one thing I don't like is the inclusion of his family. Like yeah. it, it is a little bit uh jarring actually, I think for me. Because it's like you and you even saw it at the end of the match there. AJ's bleeding and his daughter like started crying and rejecting him because he was bleeding. And I'm just like, at what point do you stop sacrificing your kids on live TV? Because that's what you're doing right now. You're like kind of emotionally fucking them up. Mick. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's true. I forgot about all the times that. And also, I guess Ric Flair too would be guilty of that. Yep. Um, Flair. I forgot Vince? who else, but well, I mean, the kids have always. I mean, fucking Shane McMahon was in the ring at 16 years old as a referee. So you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I guess that's fair, but we haven't seen we haven't seen Shane O'Mac in a while. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there's no reason for him to be there story wise. You're right. Um, but back to it, AJ Samoa Joe. Just to quickly kind of dish on this. Match ends in a DQ when AJ snaps, and it actually, this is one thing I will say that kind of worked to that advantage. So Samoa Joe calls out AJ's daughter and says that he's going to be her daddy or the wife is going to be his daddy or some shit. I don't know what the fuck he was trying to say, but he said some shit, and AJ flipped out. Hey, (laughs) daddy. Yes, exactly. So AJ snaps, and it actually kind of creates a better moving forward storyline, hopefully they can like stop making it about the family so much now and make it now that yeah. Samoa Joe had a chance at the title and AJ without even meaning to outsmarted him and kept the title. Cause well, it's a- not so much outsmarted him. It's just like, that was just a white hot fury thing coming from a father protecting his family. You're right. But I think it also like furthers the fact that he, that I think that was the, 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 I think this should have been – and if they want to go along with storyline, we'll see what happens tonight. <clears throat> like Samoa Joe being the badass that he did is like, I want to bring this out of you. I want this AJ. This is the AJ I want to face. Ooh, start getting some well, – I feel like it's really weird, but I feel like the more – like you were saying that, and as soon as you started saying like the bring out the more violent AJ, it makes me think of – Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ's feud where it was kind of the same thing. Uh, But we didn't get AJ kind of going into full-blown rage mode. He actually kind of zenned back. It would be nice to see him lose it a little bit here and become like... Well, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. It's like AJ for this last year, and basically ever since he's been in the WWE, has been the babyface. Like, he is the quintessential John Cena babyface. Yeah, fun and funny you mentioned that because and that the being best, the best, 
Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the funny that you mentioned him being like the the um, John Cena babyface, being that really the only time AJ wasn't a babyface was in a feud against John Cena. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you here. But the best John Cena matches are the ones where he just lets loose and he does some heelish things. So that's where I think AJ and I'm really hoping, like I said, we'll see what happens tonight. Um, that's what I want Samoa Joe to try to pull out of him is that Bullet Club AJ. Ooh, vicious. Yeah. Calculated. Mm, that'd be awesome. And interesting to note, too, because I believe Gallows and Anderson are on SmackDown. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, you know, you were talking about stables and how they're missing. Maybe this would be a good opportunity for them to bring the club back. You know, I know it's a riff on the Bullet Club, but maybe giving AJ some people around him would help elevate the viciousness of him, you know? Like, he's he, he, let him be cold and calculated. I mean, I guess it's hard because then you're turning him against an already pretty heelish Samoa Joe. I don't know, it's it's a very I don't know it's very interesting, um, but yeah this 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 was an all right match. Uh, another match with a long long storied history here. Miz versus Daniel Bryan. Thoughts on this one? It's this was old school all the way. This was old fashioned st- st- uh, storytelling. I love the Miz as a character. <clears throat> that cocky heel guy. Like the Miz for the last whatever 17, 18 years that he's been in the WWE has been that go to guy. That if you needed to elevate somebody, the Miz is a guy to elevate people. Yes. He's a great mid Carter. <clears throat> he's like, he's like, the level four boss in Mario. Like if you need your guy to get elevated, if he could get past the Miz, then he could get elevated. If the Miz just destroys him like on the mic or anything, because the Miz is one of those guys, one of the few guys, if not the only guy that they allow to riff on the mic. Yeah, he doesn't really get a script. He gets bullet points. This is what you got to do. Just go and do what you do the best. Um, so if they don't get past the Miz, then they're not going to, you know, be that star. So I think that's why I like him so much as a character and the way that they did this Daniel Bryan Miz match. Reminded me of the old AWA days. You know, they have this storied rivalry and they just try to one up each other. You know, the Miz stole all Daniel Bryan's moves. So every time he did it, Daniel Bryan knew what was going to happen. And then he had Maurice ringside with the old brass knuckle trick. And it was just great, great storytelling. And, it, and the Miz had to win this one. Absolutely. Even though, yeah, go ahead. Because now you can have the Miz go, okay, I won. Daniel, I don't want to face you again because I won. 
And now he's running like a true heel. Yes. Uh, One thing I think that's awesome, and I was going to actually also ask you this. Do you believe that the Miz-Daniel Bryan feud is etched in history like the uh, Flair, Sting, Austin, uh, Rock? You don't think it's going to go that far? I mean... All the way Not back to all. all the way back to like NXT OG style when the Miz was the pro, like the pro and and DB was the protege and like the build of this historyed rivalry always going back circling back to moments that are like between winning titles and they don't have that one match yet yet yeah they need to have the match though they need to have the match. Do you think – I think – Because every time you said one of those things, they had the match that you can point to and go, this was it. You're right. HBK, Brett, there's the match. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. Uh, Austin Hart, Macho Man Hogan, Warrior Hogan, they all had the match. You're absolutely right. Uh, one thing I want to say is if the match were to happen between The Miz and DB, I think it's got to be a 30-minute Iron Man or, or maybe a 60-minute bring back the old school. Like We haven't had a 60-minute Iron Man match in forever. Um, either that or they do a best I, – I would think a best two out of three because then, then you can say I was the best. A two out of three falls is also very old school classic yeah. wrestling. I love that. Um, and it's definitely an underutilized stipulation. Uh, moving well, forward. Well, I mean, the oh, last time they utilized it was uh, uh, Omega Okada. Yep. But that's not that's not WWE programming. That's the awesome no. programming that knows how to better utilize <laughs> their, their talents and know what they're doing. Um, here's but yeah, the last two out of three, I think, was Lesnar Angle. That's been a long time. Yeah, <laughs> like you're you're talking like around WrestleMania 19, so it's yeah. been a long time. Uh, what do you think about this short squash match with the Demon King Finn Balor and and Constable Corbin? To be honest with you, I fast forward through it. It, it, it didn't really do anything for me. I'm really bummed that they have continuously kind of made me bored of Finn Balor. Well, he's a short Irish man, and Vince McMahon loves big, sweaty men. <laughs> That's a sound bite. Uh, you're not wrong. I just I sold that from Cultaholic. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, but... No, you know, Finn could be the guy and have a great tenured career in the WWE. Finn Balor is the guy. He has proven that he is the guy. Yeah. You're not over in New Japan. For some reason, after that injury, after the universal title, Vince has no confidence in the guy. I mean, I get I I, I kind of disagree with that though because i feel like if vince didn't if vince genuinely didn't have the confidence of that and and even into raw last night like they wouldn't have kind of drug on the whole thing that they they keep bringing it up and into our faces that finn was the first universal champ he never really got a chance to be the champ because he was injured and immediately had to relinquish it's not like they've let that fact go so i'm hoping that they keep playing that up until there's a point where they do go okay we trust that he's not going to get injured 
we can see that he's a better worker now, which he was already a phenomenal worker, and it wasn't even his fault that he got injured, but that's their line of thinking. Uh, and then hopefully they you know will... You know what happened? It happened when um, AJ faced Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. That yep. was originally supposed to be Finn Balor. Yeah, and then they, they announced that it was going to be Jinder Mahal. Ugh. Yeah. So originally it was supposed to be Finn Balor. I want to say it was. No. It was one of the times that he had to face Roman. I want to say it was like the 15th or 16th time that Brock Lesnar faced Roman Reigns. <laughs> uh, it's been um, a lot. It was supposed to be Finn Balor. And actually, um, Paul Heyman start like he did with AJ Styles at Survivor Series, started to build Finn Balor as a viable threat to Brock Lesnar. That's the one thing that Paul Heyman does well. But they said, you know, Vince, even with they did it online polling, everything, Finn Balor won 89%. I remember that. Yeah. And they still didn't go through with it because Vince didn't feel that Finn Balor can draw. Vince is kind of fucking it up for everybody, I think. Well, it just proves that he needs to let Hunter uh, run the show for real. Yeah. Like, take the training wheels off and say, go, young man. I've seen an XT be so successful. Well, that's why I'm hoping with this XFL, because Vince says he he is going to step down. Please, I hope so. And basically let Hunter take over because, you know, Hunter is doing 205 Live now. And um, it's been great. It really has, even though I haven't I, – I've only been catching bits and pieces of it. But the quality from where it was to where it is now is just light years beyond within the six months that he's taking control of it. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Um. So that's why I'm kind of hoping it's going to happen is that Hunter starts to take over more and more, kind of take Steph out of the creative and put her in a different position. Let Shane and Paul Heyman take over creative. Oh, that would be amazing. And just completely reboot the whole thing. I'm all for that. I, and, I, and it's weird. I, mean, I guess it's not really weird, but it's interesting because I trust what Triple H does as a creator of the bigger product. Like, you look at this, and I just wanted to mention that there were only, what, five or six matches on that NXT card. One, two, three, four. There were only five matches on that card. It's superior to this SummerSlam card mm-hmm. with 13 matches, including your three pre-show matches. So yep. it's like... I mean, I get it. The extravaganza of it all. Vince likes everything extravaganza. Pull it back a little bit. Give me five matches on a big-ass pay-per-view, but make them memorable. Here's the thing. Also, look who's Hunter signing to NXT. He's pulling in the Oscars, the Finn Balors, the Samoa Joes, you know, all these different people. While Vince has that one archetype that he likes, 
the Bobby Lashley's, the Braun Strowman's, the um, what well, was Big Kaz, Hogan, uh, Hogan. What do you think he about likes, the teaser for the NWO return? By the way, <clears throat> big mistake. You think that bringing the NWO back might be a huge mistake? Yes, I think it's just going to be for the Hall of Fame. I really th- sincerely think this is just hype because it's the only way Xbox going to get in. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're not. How do you? How do they do that? Are they going to? Okay, because think about it. If they decide they're going to induct everybody who is in the NWO, that's a fucking lot of people. It's it's only going to be the core. So the the main three then probably. It'll probably be them with Sean Waltman and China. Okay. Okay. No, China. No, I'm thinking DX. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's 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 all right. right. Xbox being in both makes it difficult, especially because he was with China. So. Yeah. So it's going to be Waltman, uh, Hall, Nash, and Hogan. Okay. I mean, I can get behind them being inducted. Yeah. Um, it would make Hogan a two-time inductee. It would make Hall a two-time inductee. It would make Nash a two-time inductee. And then Waltman would have one. And then there's X-Pac. And then <laughs> X-Pac can get in with DX, and that will make Triple H. Is Sean in yet? Shawn Michaels? Sean isn't in yet. Yeah. Yeah, he got he got in um him and Flair, didn't they both get inducted in like the within like back to back years? Cuz Flair got uh, in might have been. I feel like Flair got inducted the year after he retired or the year that he got retired from from wrestling against against Michaels. And then after Michaels got defeated by Taker that very same year he was inducted or something like that. But he's definitely been in. Because uh, him and Flair have the matching rings that say to be the man, you got to beat the man. Uh, Rolexes. Rolexes. Thank Rolexes. you. It's Rolexes. My fault. Yeah, it's 2011 when he got in. Okay. Cool. Um. So yeah, they'll be you know Triple H will be Hall of Fame bound. Um. Yeah, it's just uh. I don't know. I just. I hate the idea of bringing rehashing the NWO, especially after that last big debacle at WrestleMania. Oh God, yes, with the run in at the Sting match. Yeah, and then the whole screw up that you know they screwed over Scott Hall. Then Nash got injured. Then the lone member of the NWO, and then Hogan turned face with The Rock. And then the lone member of the NWO was the guy that was never part of the NWO and Shawn Michaels. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, at that point, they just should have done the click with Shawn Michaels, Scott Hall, Hunter, and... uh, Nash. And Nash. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Like, we're going to bring something new. We're the click. And then it would have been over. They would have been all over. It would have been... But that's not history. That's not how it went down. Uh, no. More history talking about this SummerSlam match. Jeff Hardy, Shinsuke Nakamura, U.S. title match. It's a higher-profile match. It was a pretty safe match, though, for the most part. Oh, that one spot, though. Jesus Christ, you right. 40-year-old crazy fuck. I know. I was like, why is he doing a swanton to the your ring brothers, apron? Your brother's hip is fusing into his spine, and you decided to do that. 
Jeff gives no fucks, man. He's going to go until the wheels fall off, I think. That's the whole thing is that, man, they were talking I, – I was listening to a podcast earlier. Jeff has been relatively injury-free his whole career. Yeah. He just and, he got caught up in them drugs. Yeah, he got caught up in the drugs, and that's where his problem came in. But injury-wise, he's never really had a major injury until he got back to the WWE and you know tore his rotator cuff. Yeah. So for that man, for doing what he's done for twenty-three years, and not have major problems is astounding where his brother does leg drops and now his pelvis is fusing into his, you know, his spine. Ridiculous. Yeah. I would have expected that Jeff Hardy would have broken before Matt. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that Pass was me great. the green beans. Ooh. <laughs> Mower of lawns. <laughs> but uh, yeah overall just a very meh you know i know nakamura can do better uh i think he's just very disappointed on where he's at in the wwe and what they've done to him i i know his contract's up in january i believe and i would not be surprised if he goes back to new japan i agree with that i think it would be because the whole reason the whole reason he signed with the WWE was because of he he wanted to face Daniel Bryan. Ooh, well, you know what? I mean, maybe the door is open for that now. Jeff Hardy soundly defeated. There's no real reason to continue that feud. Jeff Hardy can move his feud over to the Randy Orton. Daniel thing. Bryan hasn't officially signed on yet. Ah, that's true too. It's like there's all this influxedness. Uh, yeah. But I feel like DB versus Shinsuke with the U.S. title in mind would be great if Miz yeah. wants to run for a little bit away from DB and be like, oh, there's no it reason. Would be, it would be a great program to do until WrestleMania with yes. those three. Yes. And screw Randy Orton. Randy Orton, go away. Well, Randy Orton's going to be dealing with Jeff Hardy, though, right? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, Randy oh, Orton, go away. You're boring. You're. <laughs> yeah, Randy Orton is kind of boring. Don't shake his hand. Modern day DDP, kind of. Less. No, talented. see, DDP, DDP was great always. You're right. You're Keeps right. It's entertaining, but Randy Orton as a character is boring. What does he do? He's a legend he does, killer. He, <laughs> he he comes in. He does his little pose. He slaps the mat. He does an RKO. He leaves. You're right. I will say there was one time when he would kick motherfuckers in their head, and he kicked Vince that one time, and I thought he killed him. Whoa. Uh, but, uh, all right. So moving forward here, we'll move into uh, Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss. Any surprise here? No, not at all. I mean, it, it didn't take more than four minutes. It was totally 100% Ronda's match uh, in her style. Lots of, uh, you know, hip tosses, lots of work in the arm, utilizing Alexa Bliss's j double jointedness to make it look like she ripped her arm off, which was, was pretty clever there. Uh, 
Ronda, now a WWE Women's Champion, going into Evolution only uh, two short months away here. Yeah, and then, like I said, what they keep on, what they're going to do with her, because they, they have to set up Charlotte, uh, Ronda, WrestleMania. Would that be to unify the titles to have one women's champ? I think what they have to do is do a trade. And since it's going to be at Evolution, where they need to start doing this, what they should do is start setting up the thing, and then Charlotte's like, she loses to Becky somehow, some way in one of these pay-per-views coming up. Then she needs to go over to Raw and start facing off with Ronda to start setting that whole thing up. Okay, like a big Because they can do trades. Yeah. You're not wrong. So you trade. Who does rock? Who can rock? You know, send, send Alexa Bliss back to SmackDown. Sure. Hmm. I think that all alternately too, though you got this like you you keep talking about the idea of the four horsewomen versus the four horsewomen, and will this happen? Ronda being a champ makes it likely. Charlotte being a champ makes it likely. The issue yeah. is, will Becky join that stable? You know, maybe they can make it like a "Come on, Beck, we need you, we need you to join the team" kind of thing. Um, because then you could evolution essentially have it with your two women, but then. That sh- that kind of short changes the whole thing if your two women champion aren't defending their titles, I guess. So ixnay on that idea. That was a bad one. But uh, <clears throat> let's move on to the real stinker of the night. Yeah. Maybe not the real stinker. Who knows? I don't know what you think, but I want your opinion. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar with the universal title on the line. Paul Heyman ringside. What are your thoughts? They both still suck. They do both still suck, and I love the chant. <laughs> you both still suck, or you both suck. You both suck. I like the idea of what they did. They didn't want another Samoa Joe Roman Reigns scene to happen. So what they did was Braun Strowman comes down. I'm going to cash this in at the end of this match, which if they really wanted to do something like exceptionally special, and this is what I thought was going to happen, especially when he's like, I'm not going to do this behind your guys' back. I'm cashing in right now. I'm joining this match. That would have that been, been far and away the best thing. Would have got Braun over. You know, you have Brock incapacitate. Uh, Brock incapacitate Braun. Roman Reigns comes in like a jackal and cleans up, cleans up the mess. Oh, so you would cause Braun to not win the cash-in? Yeah. Interesting. To set up a Roman Braun thing like they had before. Okay, I like that too. I like when that as when well. uh, Roman Reigns murdered Braun in the trash compactor. <laughs> yeah, he's still not dead. They didn't yeah. do a good job. Uh, he's not Shredder, as it were. Where, where Braun went into one garbage truck that was white, and then he came back at Miz in a completely different garbage truck. Wasn't it like blue? Yeah. <laughs> Screwy WWE thinking us people don't <laughs> notice. It ain't the matrix. Uh, yeah. One thing I will say is I felt like damage control was kind of played with Braun Strowman being ringside. Cause it was kind of like, um, now listen, crowd don't fucking leave in the middle of this main event that you don't well, care yeah, about. That's what, that's, 
that's what it was is that they wanted him out there to so they didn't have on camera like the Samoa Joe match everybody leaving exactly and it wasn't um yeah i mean i, I and then they kind of are doing the same thing with Braun on on Raw too. So Roman ends up defeating Brock Lesnar in a six minute kind of squash. From what I heard, actually this match got cut short. Vince called up and said, "Shorten the match, get it done now," because he was afraid that fans were going to turn back on Roman and not cheer yeah. when he won. Um, which they cheered enough for him to. It seemed favorable when he won the match. Uh, but I well, because it was it was they they cut it short because you knew the boos were coming. Oh yes, they were. And uh, yeah. ha- having having Roman win here, you know, it's kind of setting up a lot of change on Raw, which we can kind of just jump to right now because to 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 the really the main talking points from Raw last night. There's not a lot that happened in the fallout from Smack or from uh, uh, SummerSlam here, but the major fallout is. Uh, Finn Balor versus Roman for the title as the main event of last night's Raw. Braun again claiming, I'm cashing this bitch in. Watch me. Yeah. Roman gets the clean win over Finn Balor. Kind of bullshit. And then Braun comes down to cash in. He even goes so far as to hand the briefcase to the ref and the, I'm, I'm certain, I'm like, well, they're just going to ring the damn bell, and this is on. Braun's about to win the yeah. title. And then they didn't ring the bell. It was like this awkward pause of what the hell's happening, and then the Shields music hit. And it yep. was like, okay, so do you think, was that us seeing a heel turn for the whole Shield now? Which, if the Shield is reuniting, they now have the Universal and Intercontinental titles in their stable? Yep. And here's 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 where the major flaw comes in that I talked about earlier. You have the shield. Braun cashes in. They don't ring the bell. If they waited thirty seconds for the bell to get rung, causes DQ. Now Braun's at the back of the pack for a title match. Ooh. So, right, so then he's got to just like work his way back up Ooh. to. So now he has to go through Dean Ambrose, like I said. Like the the idea is, he had to go through Dean, he had to go through Seth to get to Roman. I love. I kind of love that actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Now it's... then you can have then you can have Braun Strowman now holding both the Intercontinental and Universal Heavyweight Championship. Man, and he would he would be the guy to do it, actually. I don't know that I yep. think the last person that held both titles would have been Warrior, I'm pretty sure. I think Warrior's one of the few people that actually actually did. Yeah, because I don't know that I mean, uh oh, you know what? Uh god dang it. Uh, th- th- there is another pro- I feel like it's Triple H. Don't quote me here, but um back in like the two I think he held the European no, 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 but back in the 2002-2003 era, they, they unified the World Heavyweight Championship and the Intercontinental title. So I think, technically speaking, he would have held them both that night, but he then, it absolved into just being big gold. I'm trying to remember who, how that actually went down. I'm trying to see who won, who held. 
our research and development department currently looking up uh, answers to our question. Uh, I will say that SummerSlam, though, just my rapid like reaction at the end of this here, it was an okay pay-per-view. I appreciate that they shortened the main card to only four hours. It's kind of, it could have been a six-hour main card, and it wouldn't have been a surprise there. So uh, lots of matches, not a lot of great stuff happened, but yeah, SummerSlam, it was okay. All right, so you had Seth Rollins holding the U.S. and heavyweight title. Okay. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Diesel with the tag and world and Intercontinental. Okay. Okay, tag team European, tag team European. Tag Team European. It seems like there's a lot of Tag Team European. Austin Hotel, two titles. Yeah, I don't think it was just Warrior. Okay. So that would be cool. Uh, uh, historically speaking, the only the second person ever to hold those two titles at the same time. Well, really, the only the first person because the Universal title didn't exist, but we were thinking of more of a one of the main two belts, I think. Um Overall, yeah, D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown. There's a name you haven't heard in a while. Oh, yeah. Shake your European head European and Intercontinental. Yes, he was. Same with Jeff Jarrett. Old slap nut. Yeah, it's just, it looks like just Warrior, man. Crazy. I actually learned something new today. All right. Um, so what are your thoughts overall if you would rate or talk about SummerSlam as a whole? Just okay? Best WWE main card title this year, but overall I still give it C minus C C C minus. Definitely, there's a lot they can improve on. They definitely are underutilizing so many guys on their roster, different gals on their roster. It's like uh, the right. Well, oh, go ahead. My my buddy, uh, you know, we were talking about this yesterday. My buddy Stu and I were talking. I'm like, he, he's just like, man, how many people do they have on the card? You know, or in each branch, like the main raw branch has 47 wrestlers, male wrestlers and 13 female, while the SmackDown brand has 43 with, uh, I want to say 12 female wrestlers. So you got over 100 wrestlers. And what are you seeing week to week? The same on 10. The, the, the same 10. So you're getting fatigued, and this is where they need to look towards the uh, Attitude Era, actually, is that we gave a shit about the maid card back in the Attitude Era. Shout out to you, Goldust, one of my favorite Intercontinental Champs of all time. He was... Dustin Reynolds is one of those guys that should have been main event. Absolutely. Um, especially during the Razor and Roddy Piper era. Oh man, that um, fucking parking lot brawl with him and Roddy at WrestleMania 12, still one of my favorites to this day. Yes. And Roddy Piper was the one that took that car hit, which I give him all the props in the world on. Oh yeah. Um, but like we actually cared about the mid card. And week to week, when I watch WWE Raw and SmackDown, 
I watch it on Hulu, which they cut it down to an hour and a half. And I can honestly say within the last six months, I have watched maybe an hour of actual WWE programming. Ooh, rough. Rough, rough, rough. Well, what have you been spending your time watching? I'm going to just go out on a line and assume it has to be some ROH or some New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's mostly been New Japan. Well, that's great because we have something that's New Japan related to discuss before we get out of here. If you would like to today, we do have a preview for this uh, all-in card. Yes. Uh, now, as of right now, there have been 10 matches announced uh, with a variety of competitors and different uh, different kinds of match stipulations. Uh, Nick Aldis, who is your NWA world champ, uh, facing Cody Rhodes in the probably the main event, I would assume. Uh, Okada versus Marty Skrull, which is an amazing match. I believe Marty is going to just blow everyone away with his performance. No surprise Okada is going to kick ass. I think Skrull's going to be, you know, a surprise there. Uh, I don't think so, man. I mean, if you've you've seen Marty's matches in the last year, I mean, he is a bumping, working machine. Oh, absolutely. I just think it's an opportunity for him to really go up to the next level because, like, yeah. And here's here's the thing with, like, Okada, right? Okada right now, he's lost the championship. He's pulling off the broken universe better than anybody than Matt Hardy is right now. Like when the Rainmaker used to come out, used to be the whole big event where he came out, the the money was shooting and there was fireworks and there was this big thing every time he came down when he had the championship. Now he's coming down with the balloon. <laughs> That's awesome. It's just like, wow, the, the like no, pro, like his promos have been like erratic and crazy and all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been nuts. I mean, the, he's been pulling off a guy that is legit broken better than Matt Hardy. Damn. And, and Okada's a phenomenal worker. So I'm excited yeah. for that match. Uh, this was recently announced Hangman Page versus Joey Janela. Uh, Hangman claiming he is a Joey killer. So, yeah. Uh, of course, he did murder Joey Ryan, although not everybody knows that fact, apparently. Uh, up next, we've got a six-man tag team match, Classic 3v3. You've got Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, and uh, Bandito versus the Golden Elite, which is an amazing team-up. We've not, I don't think, officially seen this particular lineup of the Golden Elite before with Matt, Nick Jackson, and Kota Ibushi all as a team. Uh, that's a match to look forward to. Exciting to see the Jacksons work with Ray Ray. I mean, really, it's going to be fantastic. This next one, I want your opinion on, because I don't don't know what I think, and I'm interested to know what you think. Christopher Daniels, I mean, the man Christopher Daniels, versus Stephen Amell from Arrow? Amell can wrestle. Yeah, and he's a very, very physical and active dude. Um... I just it's uh, gonna be a one is it's gonna be a short match, but Christopher Daniels is one of the best mid card talents that have ever been. Couldn't agree more. So uh, he's gonna carry Steven through this match and it's going to be a good match. 
Do you think it's going to be kind of akin to when Amel was uh, facing Cody in WWE and it's really a safe yeah. match with very few bumps and all that? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Could be interesting. Maybe it's a lot of quote-unquote punching and stuff, more physicality in that regard than a lot of big bumps. Um, up next, one of the matches that they have indicated will probably take place on the pre-show, the Briscoe Brothers versus SoCal Uncensored. Uh this is the worst yeah, town I've ever be. been in, so that's all I know. Um, it's going to be a match. <laughs> it's it's going to be a match. You know, I don't really hate or love SoCal Uncensored, and the Briscoe Brothers are just kind of around. So, yeah, like you said, it's just going to yeah. be a match. I, it could be. This one's one I'm kind of more looking forward to because it's going to be, I'm guessing, filled with a lot of cheap pops. The over-budget yeah. Battle Royal. So they're doing a 15-person Battle Royal at All In. And for the 15-person Battle Royal at All In, it is uh, to determine the number one contender to the ROH World Championship, which will be a a match versus Jay Lethal later in that night. Uh, Anybody you think we should be expecting in this over-the-budget Battle Royal that they have not announced, and I don't know if you know this or not, but there have been a few competitors announced. Uh, Yeah, Cole Cabana, Mr. Ass. Yep, uh, Jordan Grace, Moose, Rocky Romero, Ethan Page, Brian Cage, Jimmy Jacobs, and Marco Stunt have also been announced. I feel like some of the older legends might make quick appearances. It wouldn't surprise me yeah. to see like Bubba, Dudley possibly show up there. Um, just just look at who's over at StarCast and you can fill out the rest of the card. There you go. There you go. And that's pro- and you're you're not wrong there. Uh, we've got a four-way female match here. Madison Rain versus Britt Baker versus Chelsea Green versus Tess Blanchard. Or Tessa Blanchard. Sorry, I screw that up sometimes. Um, this looks to be an interesting match. Uh, not really sure who I want to win, but I really do like Tessa Blanchard, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got Jay Lethal versus whoever wins the over-the-budget Battle Royal. Who do you think is that uh, is going to take that spot? Well, not knowing exactly who's in that card yet, uh, being the Chicago guy, I like to see Colt. Yeah. If CM Punk shows up, I'm going to be pissed. We can talk about that in a second. He did say he claims he will not be taking part in a wrestling capacity, although he will be doing an autograph signing the day before the event. Um, it is possible that he could make a surprise return. You're not wrong. I, I, I just like to see, well, one, he won't, he won't get the pop that everybody that he used to get. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen in our city. Now people are kind of pissed at him after the whole, uh, the way he treated Colt Cabana on the other side of that, uh, trial. Yeah. So I think, honestly, I think it's going to be Colt. Okay. I like that. I I would love to see that versus Colt Cabana. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really massive, massive pop from an already white-hot crowd. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I wish I was going to All In. Uh, I'll be looking forward to watching it. Jay Lethal versus, let's say, Colt Cabana. I think it would be awesome to see Colt Cabana win the title in Chicago like that. Yeah. That's a moment stamped in history that just like solidifies something awesome and different that's not the WWE product that we've had for so many years. That, that was solidify when the card and Cole Cabana's Legacy. Chicago yes. roots. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Uh, and of course, the last match announced on the card is Kenny Omega versus Pentagon, uh, which he is a Lucha Libre uh, who has who currently works for Lucha Underground. He used to work for Impact. He's worked for AAA before. Uh, it's it probably going to be a phenomenal match, being that those two are very uh, graceful and impactful workers. Yeah, looking forward to it actually. Really looking. Go Kenny. Yeah, go Kenny. Go train of our existence showing up to the podcast one more time. Damn. Gotta always do with me like that. Yeah, lots of <laughs> lots of crazy names that are gonna be at the all in event here. I just pulled up a list of the star cast just so you could know, and we've got so many names that are gonna be in Chicago over the weekend of August thirtieth, thirty first, uh September first and second. Uh people like Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, we've of course got uh, Tony Schiavone, Ron Funches, that's awesome. He's awesome. Medusa, Gail Kim, uh, Lisa Marie Vachon, uh, Dave Meltzer will be there, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, J.J. Dillion, Lex Luthor, Tully Blanchard, Road Warrior Animal, Macaulay Culkin? What? Yeah. That's cool. Raven, ICP, that's interesting. Jeff Jarrett, again, DDP showing up. Uh, members of the NWO. Uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Holland, Sean Waltman, Jimmy Johnston, music that uh, the guy that made the music for WWE, uh, Disco Inferno, Hurricane Helms, and Conan, as well as Kevin Sullivan, Colt Cabana, Stephen Amell, the Jackson Bros. As we said, it's going to be a huge event. Are you going to be going to any of the like uh, other things that are happening over the week of uh, <laughs> All In? I am not doing anything with Starcast, but I will be going to Flip Gordon's All Out Party. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. You think Flip Gordon is going to be a member of the over-budget Battle Royal? uh, I think on the latest, being the elite, they're trying to get him to be a referee for the uh, three-on-three match. Interesting. That would be fun. I haven't got a chance to watch 116 yet, so I'm a a week behind there. uh, Yeah. Awesome. Well, Matt, I don't know if there's anything wrestling today that we can discuss. Of course, we can always come back and do this more. We do have episode three coming out in two short weeks here. We will be on the other side of All In. We will be nearing uh, Hell in the Cell. Lots of stuff going on. I'm actually going to try to start covering Impact again because I feel like everybody keeps saying Impact Wrestling got really good recently. That's what I'm hearing, too, and I might be uh, diving into that myself. Sounds sounds like a fun time. (laughs) And especially especially that the fact that Jericho's rumored to be heading over there after the Jericho um Jericho at sea. Yeah, the his his uh cruise, three day cruise. Yeah. So I might be getting into that just because of that. So Well if you do, you'll have to let us know what it's like. And if I have not yet gotten there, then we will be looking to you for your expertise and opinions in wrestling. Matt Waite, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Journey into Wrestling. Uh, as always, folks, cool. ch- check out the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. Go on to Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Search Journey into Comics Network. You will get Journey into Wrestling as well as the other shows on the network. Go to our Patreon. Give us a dollar for early access and exclusive content. And there's actually a whole bunch of new tiers, so go check those out as well. I think that's going to do it this week for Journey into Wrestling. I've been Nate. Thank you, Matt Waite. And we will see you guys later.